Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. Marriage is defined as the legally or formally recognized union of two people as partners in a personal relationship. Sounds simple, doesn't it? But what that relationship looks like often means different things to different people. In the book, The New I Do, the authors talk about the parenting marriage meant for raising children, to the safety marriage where people are together for financial or companionship reasons, to the more commonly viewed romantic relationship. And the truth is, is that most marriages are a combination of all three. So your marriage may have times where one kind is more prevalent or where one partner is more interested in one type or the other. So how can you navigate these different circumstances and still maintain a good connection with your spouse? Well, my guests, Asael and Galit Romanelli, are here to walk you through that. Now, Dr. Asael Romanelli is a clinical social worker and licensed marriage and family therapist. And Galit Romanelli is a certified coach with a master's degree in gender studies. So welcome back to the program to talk about, you know, our favorite topic, marriage and relationships. <laughs> Yay, we're happy to be here. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you for having us. So in a recent piece that appeared on the Good Men Project, you wrote that there are three relationships within every marriage. And the first one you talk about is the one that a lot of people associate with why they get married in the first place, lovers. So can you talk about what makes this relationship part of a good marriage? So lovers is the, is the private, unique dimension, which is the sexual, erotic sensual part of the marriage which is basically that's where we caress that's where we're erotic that's that's where a lot of couples actually begin their relationship mm-hmm. and, what we, and what we've noticed is that's the most that's the most fragile one out of the three we're going to talk about three we call it the braid of relationships it's mm-hmm. the first one to take a hit when there's a strain it's the last one to kind of recover as as the couple is getting stronger and we and that's the first braid out of the three that we've recognized so why is that one the most fragile when it's the one that, like you said, it's, it's usually what gets us involved with somebody else in the first place. So what makes it not quite as strong as we'd like it to be? Well, I think there are a lot of reasons for that, but, but I think one of the most is because that's kind of where we're most vulnerable with each other, right? That is the place where we are, where we're, where we're, vulnerable, where we express our intimacy, our closeness. Um, and and when we don't feel close with each other, when we feel resent or anger or a distance, then we don't want to be in that vulnerable, intimate space. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we'll we'll lean on the other ones, mostly the the partnership, right, of kind of the day to day, the logistics and will move away and veer kind of away from the more lover relationship and intimate space. I've also noticed in the clinic that um, oftentimes in heterosexual relationships, the woman will kind of 
step away from the lover relationship as part of a protest, as part of a, of feeling this, of that's where it will be expressed. It will manifest itself first sexually. I will not have sex with you. I will not touch you. Mm-hmm. I will not caress you. And I think a lot of men are basically, a, it's not just a sexually frustrated. A lot of times they're just not being touched physically, not being touched by their partner. And that's a lover dynamic in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and it's, and, it, and I, and I can see how, you know, if, if I'm upset with somebody or somebody is upset with me, it's like that. Don't, touch me get away from me exactly yeah. the last yeah. thing you want to do is, is yeah. have sex with that person or even- but i think it's really important to kind of know that it's not out of kind of punishment or 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 even resistance but i think that the act of you know making space for someone intimately mm-hmm. when you're angry at someone and you're or when you're kind of feeling um distant it's hard to make that space. It's hard to kind of let that person in and, and be open and vulnerable. So I think it's a really important point. And I think that if we can kind of recognize that it's not, you know, sometimes it is because we talk a lot about kind of our shadow and, and yes, it is a place where we can kind of let out our, our aggression and show that kind of we're, we're angry and, 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 I'm just wary of kind of using the word punishing because I think that it's yeah. much more complicated than that. Yes. And I think it's yeah. much more a place of kind of I'm 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 shutting down or I'm feeling too distant to open up and let you in. And I think it's also important that we recognize that some people need to have, you know, need sex to feel close and some people need to feel close in order to have sex. And then once we can kind of differentiate between the two, then we can then we can start having a conversation. Right. And, 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 and you, know, you, you said something that was so important about, you know, that that sense of being safe in order to open up and be vulnerable. And that is one of the things that's like, you know, when when we're engaged in that romantic, sexual, erotic thing, we are sometimes we are physically naked, but frequently we are emotionally naked. And that exactly. and that's re- can be really scary. So if you don't feel safe, you're going to go there. Right. Right. And I want to yeah. add to that, to, to that, that that relationship is also physical touch. Mm-hmm. Because what I'm noticing more and more in the clinic, and I ask this almost with every couple I work with, especially the men, how much are you touched? Just touch, just hug, just caress, just having a, you know, being stroked. And I think what's interesting is we keep thinking that the lovers is just sex, right? Or intercourse or whatever, but it's actually a lot about physical touch, which right now is, is like a lot of couples are just not there. Well, and we, and, and we learned with the pandemic and that was one of the worst things about, you know, being isolated that if you, yes. you the lack of touch was really yes. devastating. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think that often because we're in such a sexually charged, saturated society, we automatically think of intimacy at, and touch as sexual. But there's so much more that kind of keeps a relationship close and and together and intimate. And that's like I said, said, you know, a caress or holding hands or just kind of caressing your cheek or or even kind of like a touch on the head. But we we we're so bombarded with images of, of what, you know, sex looks like and what good sex, and then we, what good sex looks like. And then we kind of think that if our relationship isn't having that, then what does that mean? And we kind of spiral very quickly 
and 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 that if we do touch it automatically then means that it leads to sex no not necessarily and i think that if we can kind of recognize and what we encourage couples in the clinic to do is to recognize that they get to define what intimacy looks like for them mm-hmm. and to try and really unpack these defined prescribed um images that they may have about you know what intimacy and sex looks like for them well and i think one of the things that gets people sideways is that in the beginning because of the in love hormones that get us started that you know, we can't stay in that heightened state forever our bodies would literally just break down and so i think people just misunderstand that oh if that if that you know wanting to rip each other's clothes off isn't driving the show then there's something wrong with us when yeah. it's actually that's just part of the natural progression of a relationship yep yep but but it also doesn't mean we have to lose you it doesn't mean we have to lose it we just have to be a little bit more intentional i think about it yeah absolutely and also recognize you know that there are ebb and flows in our relationship and that you know it's it's i think it's a constant conversation right because mm-hmm. we all go through different changes and kids bring around different changes and 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 when we age we feel differently about things and the hormones change. like there's so many factors but if we can keep the lines of communication open then we can stay close and then we can kind of keep a lifeline to this lovers relationship yeah and, and as you were talking about it sometimes i think that lovers can have a you know, like almost like a secret life where they'll share these thoughts or moments or memories and it's not necessarily sex related but it is that couple related kind of thing where you can you know you can just have these shared moments that bring you closer together and it's and it's different from from being friends or acquaintances or whatever it, it it's on a different yeah. level yeah. It's the exclusive dimension that you usually share with your partner. By the way, I also want to put into here the you know, description of, of the erotic, which includes mystery and power and submission. It's it's a much more juicy kind of uh, visceral, you know, and I just want to add that that's, that's more in that dynamic. Because okay. each one of the relationships has a different feel, a different vibe, a different jive, and also different needs. Mm-hmm. So. so- so speaking of the different relationships, I want to talk about the next one. The next relationship within a marriage that you mentioned is that of partners. And so yes. what, is, what does it actually mean to be partners and what makes that an important aspect of marriage? So, so partners, from the moment you move in together, essentially you're running a business, you're running a home, right? Right. Bills, cleaning, duties, mortgage, and such and such, and and. Obviously, once kids come into the picture, you're running another business, which is the business of raising kids. Now, the thing about the partnership relationship, contrary to eroticism, which requires mystery and and suspense, here you're looking for stability, you're looking for clarity, you're looking for support, you're looking for interdependence. And and what we've noticed is is the partnership is really it's really about us as a couple, but it's us running something that's external to us, whether it's the household and the kids. It's the most robust one out of the three. And what we've noticed is that. It will, it will, 
it will be the last one to break apart because even if you're having a bad day, you still need to pay the bills. Even if you're sleeping on a sofa, right. you got you still got to get the kids to you, school. You still have your micro business to run, right? Your family unit, even if it's you know just the two of you, but but you have a shared home. There, you have to. It has to work. You have to get things done together. You have to communicate. There's just no avoiding it. And even in your electricity bill will go down in the first of every month, even if you're sleeping on the sofa or even if you're sleeping in bed. It doesn't matter. Okay. So you can be in the worst fight you have, but you still something to pay the bills. You need to get, you know, to take the dog out for a walk. So that's what we've noticed is that's relationship, ironically, or maybe not ironically, that will be the last to go. And I want to say one more thing. If you have joint kids, you will forever be co-partners in running the business mm-hmm. of your, of your, of your shared children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and it's and it's interesting because I think that Galit, you were talking about, you know, the day to day stuff that, that this it sounds almost as if the partner relationship can overshadow the mm. lover relationship that because we get so involved in the day to day, just getting just getting through the day with all the things that we all have to do. That is kind yeah. of like, oh wait, there's this other thing that I that that I need to be adding to the mix and yeah, yeah, and I think that's why it's so important. I think it's so important to recognize that our relationship as a whole is comprised of these three components because it's so easy for particularly this one to kind of bleed and take over the other ones. You know, and, and, and kind of make this like your whole day to day. And, and obviously there's kind of, there's spillover in terms of like, if, if a sale constantly leaves dirty dishes in the sink and it drives me crazy and I'm the one that always has to do, it's going to bleed over and I'm, and I'm going to feel resentment. I'm going to feel, uh, you know, uh, irritation and, and all these things to him, which then might spill over and make me not feel so friendly about him. And we'll talk about the, the friend element in a minute and certainly not necessarily feel open to him as a lover. So I think it's important to kind of recognize how they each work together and how they each also have the potential of kind of affecting one another. Because then, sorry, just one second, because then we can be intentional about when we're devoting time to which one of these relationships and what does that time and devotion looks like? Because Mm -hmm. it looks different, right? The the time that Asael and I will spend caring for our lover relationship will look different from our friend relationship will look different from our partner relationship. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, I want to add to that, that, you know, you, Leslie, as you were saying earlier, the second kids come in the picture, you basically, the partnership takes over most of the day from the moment you wake up to the, the kids go to bed, that mm-hmm. big chunk of the time, you will be mostly in partner mode, which is obviously essential because you need to run the business. But I think what happens is when the partnership takes over, over the friendship and the, and the lovers, then we run into trouble. Then basically the, the marriages start running dry. And yeah. oftentimes in the clinic, we'll meet couples that are saying we're great partners, but we're not friends. We're not lovers. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and in some cases that partner relationship can be the safe place to be. Right. You know that, well, this, this is working really well. So we don't want to upend this other stuff. Unfortunately, sometimes if it's if it's out of balance, I mean, that was, um, you know, when 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 the new I do came out and, you know, the, these alternative ways of looking at marriage, um, 
you know, several of several of those don't have that lover component, which for many people is a really important component. But somehow it seems like you were saying that's the one that's most fragile. And so it's like, how do we keep this all in balance? Yeah. And I think oftentimes we kind of think like the lover one will take care of itself, right? Because we'll, we'll want to, like you said, kind of rip each other's clothes off. We'll want to be, but actually also, like you said, Leslie, with time, it changes and the way we feel about each other changes. And if we don't invest the time and effort and put aside different time mm-hmm. for that, then it kind of falls by the wayside. It, it, it doesn't, um, it doesn't, it's not a relate. it's not part of the relationship that will just take care of itself. Right. And I want to, I want to add to this. I want to go back for a second to Perel who talks about, you know, mating in her book, mating in captivity, she talks about the tension between the erotic and the intimate. Uh-huh. So if, if, we, if you paraphrase that, partnership requires routine, stability, whereas the erotic requires adventure, security, I mean, you know, mystery. And it's basically, right. it's different modes, right? So when we're running the business of the kids, then we have to do a mental switch to go into a different space to be lovers. And I think for a lot of couples, it, also us, it's hard to make that shift, especially when you're not conscious that you're actually entering another relationship. It's a different right. dynamic. Right. And and when that relationship, right, because it's not always comfortable to talk about sex and it's not always comfortable to talk about the changes and the desires and the fantasies and the wants and the fact that, you know, we have, like I said, a prescribed idea of what sex should look like, should sound like, should be like. And so to even approach that subject can be challenging and difficult so the the notion that it will sort itself out without us you know dedicating time without us communicating about it mm-hmm. is 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 a challenge right and one last thing i want to add on this one second leslie is that it's clear to couples they first need to prioritize their kids in their home and then sex comes and, and then lovers come later and what happens is that we reach 10 o'clock I mean, the older the kids uh-huh. get, I mean, we have younger kids, bro. So we're bedtime, hopefully around nine, but couples that, you know, <laughs> till 10, 11 at night, they're still in partner mode. Right. They have very little time to switch into just, just logistically, just time. Right. Yeah. And it does create a challenge. This is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking about the components of a marriage with clinical social worker and licensed marriage and family therapist, Dr. Othael Romanelli, and certified coach, Galit Romanelli. And if your marriage is more focused on one of the inner relationships to the detriment of the other two, you're not alone. It can be really easy to get out of balance as you're paying attention to the regular day-to-day things that life throws at you. But if you want a whole marriage, not just one part of one, I can help. I invite you to get in touch and schedule your free, no obligation, five-star relationship session. You can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. That's 919-924-0463. Or you can send me an email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N as in Nancy, C as in charlie.com. And now I want to get back to this conversation and the third relationship that's been identified. And that is the relationship of friends. And how does this look different from the other two and why does it matter? 
Okay, so so friendship is is the most tricky one. It's, it's the least it's the least um, observable one. It's the least measurable one because friendship is the dimension where we we're basically intimate in the sense of I'm sharing, we're leaning, the jokes, the secret language, the winks, the handshake, the playful, the silliness, all the stuff that basically when my partner is my friend and I want to talk to them, I want to share stuff with them, and I know they're rooting for me and I'm rooting for them, and I can just share my inner world, not as a partner. It's not in the lover aspect. It's just part. It's just companionship. Mm-hmm. That's where we feel love, and that you know we put love under that one in that sense. And what's interesting about friendship, or it's more tricky, is like it's harder to measure because the 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 partners you need to do it. You have tasks. Lovers, mm-hmm. you can easily measure: are we having sex? Are we touching or right. not? But friendship, how do you measure? How do you quantify that? How do you know that? It's the slippery thing. And what we've noticed is it's the friendship that is the glue. It's the energizes to the other two relationships. And when the friendship and what the friendship's like oxygen, you only notice it when it's gone. Harders mm. only notice friendship when, once it's like, we're not friends anymore. I'm not having fun with you. I don't want to tell you things. I'm talking to my therapist more than I'm talking to my wife. I'm talking to my girlfriend more than I'm talking to my wife and, or to my husband. It doesn't really matter. And that's what I'm trying to say. And, I, and I, we've noticed that friendship is, is, is that's the one that partners, that couples often miss and they kind of just don't realize it's slipping away. I think I think friendship really is the one that kind of binds them together, like I said, right? Because it's the one that keeps us curious mm-hmm. and keeps us playful and allows us that bridge between kind of getting shit done and being close. <laughs> you know, like it 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 is what keeps the communication open and and um yeah, the the, the lines open. Well, and I think that going back to what, what was said before about that, you know, how much time we elicit. And and, and I think sometimes, I think if I'm hearing you guys correctly, that the friendship is the bridge so that it's not such a sudden shift from partners into lovers that we have this period yes. where we're yeah. connecting um, on a different level. Then, you know, it's it's more it's it's deeper than the partnership, but it's but it's different from the lovers. Yeah. Yeah. A bit kind of lighter. I love that. I think it's like um, when you were talking about it, I could really see kind of a hallway. Right. It's that hallway that allows us to move between the two because because the partnership kind of that has to run and, 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 you know, it's logistics and whatever, and it's a different kind of communication, but then to jump from that so quickly to lovers can be really challenging. And if we have that friend space, then that really kind of helps move and transition us easily. I want to say when you were, when you were talking, Leslie, I I like an an action insight, which is, you know, one of the four horsemen of Gottman is contempt, Mm -hmm. right? Contempt is kill, kills marriages. And I think friendship is the antidote to that. Mm-hmm. Because friendship means I have goodwill, which means I'm see, I have soft, I have good, we say in Hebrew, you have, you have good eyes. I have good eyes on you. I'm looking at you not positively. I like I you. I like I, you. You know? I like you. Like, I'm rooting for you. Yeah. I like you. I want to spend yeah. time with you. Like, you're awesome. You're a good guy and a person. And, you know, I find you funny and interesting and I'm curious and I like you, and, you know? And, 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 and in friendship, we'll find curiosity. That And, mm-hmm. and curiosity and play, they live more in friendship. They live in friendship. And really, friendship is what makes me want to spend. Because here, we see a lot of people that are running a business, but don't, they don't like each other. They don't enjoy each other's company. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Some couples even have sex, and they do it kind of to, just to tick the box. 
Right. But friendship is, do I, do I want to come home? Do I want, am I looking forward to talking to you? Am I looking forward to sharing my day with you? That's friendship. Yeah. And it, and it, it seems like that should be the easiest, but I'm wondering if that may be the harder of the three. Yeah, I think also that that, you know, that they each come with their own kind of challenges. And I think that at the end of the day, they each need their own attention. And the attention that each one requires is very different. And, you know, Asad and I were just kind of sharing that, that when you, you know, when couples kind of go on date night, I think it's really worthwhile to be intentional about what relationship are we dedicating this time for and and because because each each one of those kind of date night right will look differently lover a lover's date night will look very different from a partner's date night in fact partners they might, might might not be a date night partners might be let's have a morning coffee and go through our to-do list right whereas the friends uh, uh date night might be like let's go bowling right let's you know go have fun like so I think it's really important to not just kind of throw a date night in the calendar, but rather be intentional of where have we not, which one of the three relationships have we not dedicated time to? Right. And, and, I, and I love that because, you know, we can, and, and maybe, you know, we said, yes, like we can count, you know, whether or not we're having sex could be quantified, although <laughs> then, that, then that goes into, you know, what is the definition of sex? Um, I mean, yeah. Um, but, and, and the partners are the, you know, it's the practicalities. It's the, you know, and so I always tell people, you know, if you're going to do a date night, a date night is for you to have fun. It is not for you to dissect the relationship or talk about the kids or do all you know, do right. that. I mean, that needs to be done. Absolutely. Right. But not at the same time, you know, right. um, you know, there are a lot of times when I go out with my husband and I'll see these couples and I just literally want to throw my cards on the table <laughs> because it's like, what you guys are doing is not a date night. You know, they're sitting right. at the same table, both yeah. on their phones. It was like, that's, that, no, that, that's not what this is about, you know? Um, right. I, I, but I think what's interesting, Leslie, like, I think a lot of couples, their blind spot will be their friendship. Yeah. They'll be very attuned. Are we having sex or not? And they'll be very tuned. Is the business working? They won't be asking themselves, "Hey, are we good friends these days?" Like they don't. It's it's yeah. it's something they're. It's, it's do hard I like to you? Grasp. Do I still like you? Yeah. You know? <laughs> am I? That's, am a, I that's sharing, an important right. one. Right. Am I sharing more? Is my libido more invested outside? Libido, not in sexually. Just like is my passionate interest laying more outside the marriage than inside? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that those are the questions that most couples are not asking themselves. Yeah. And I think it's easy. I once had, you know, I once had a, um, a, a client, I, I never did see his wife. Um, but he ended up having an affair because she was not interested in anything he did in, in, in terms of his business. I mean, and he was starting to get world recognition and mm. she had, all she wanted was the paycheck. And, and so suddenly somebody came along and was very interested in what he was doing. And, yeah. and he felt terrible because he loves, I mean, he loved his wife and he didn't understand. And so when we unpacked it, he went, oh my gosh, they weren't friends. Yeah. There was, yeah. there wasn't this connection that, you know, I mean, and, and this is where I think sometimes the whole in love thing that, that overemphasis on the sex and the lovers and that kind of intimacy that we, that it keeps us, it, it can keep us from developing 
that longer lasting glue intimacy of, of, of being friends. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I want to add into the mix for us. Friends is also where, where, where I get challenged, where my wife or my partner is challenging me. Right, we're where like, there's intellectual stimulation. Right. right? Exactly. Where, Th- and that, and, and that is what you're describing, Leslie, right? Like an interest in your work and what you're doing and, and learning a little bit about kind of like, Oh, well, what, you know, understanding what your partner is spending their time doing because we spend so much of our time at work that to say that doesn't interest me. I don't want to hear about that. Right. Which is, uh, which is, which is a mistake that we often see. Right. But that means that you've severed a huge part of that person's day Uh that you you're not interested in. And that's kind of where I think part of the friendship starts to kind of fizzle away. Well, I have another, we have one more thing I want to say, Leslie, because Mm -hmm. I believe you said something which interests me. I think, this is, I'm broadcasting live here. It's like, it's in a friendship where I can see and celebrate the subjectivity of my partner. Because mm. as a lover and as a partner, they can also be objects for me, right? It's, right. I see him as a function or, or she's a, a sexual object for me. But it's friendship where I see you as a whole person, as a subject, as a person with interests and, and depth and, rela- and memories and dreams. And that's where I can really understand the, the multitude, the depth and the width of my partner. Oh, I love that. No, I love that. I think that's, I think that's a great um, explanation. So how can, how can a couple, I mean, obviously they need to listen to this show and, and, and start paying attention (laughs) to these three areas. So what can they do? I mean, so, you know, because I know a lot of people can get into arguments. In fact, a lot of my clients have gotten into arguments over sex when it really isn't it's not the actual physical act of sex that somebody wants. They want that connection, which could also be, you know, just they're missing the friendship. So how do we get people out of the partner mindset, which of course is automatic because, you know, we, we have to keep the lights on and food on the table and those, those kinds of things and our, and our children safe, hopefully. Um, you know, so how do we get them to expand past that? I think the first thing we do, and it's also in the article, kind of, you have to take stock. Like, it just first you have to reflect, how are we doing in each one of these relationships? Mm-hmm. And in the article that you mentioned, there's some initial questions to ask yourselves and have an honest conversation. How are we doing as partner? How are we doing as lovers? How are we doing as friends? And I think just that conversation by itself already can spark a really interesting conversation. And once another thing we've noticed is in different times, we'll have different emphasis. One partner might want to be, want to work on the partnership. I need more support with the kids while the other one wants more friendship and more laughter. So oftentimes different partners are looking for different relationships right now and are focusing. And that's also normal and okay. I'm reminding you, okay? So, so like, because we're evolving in different phases, so I think the first step would be awareness and an open conversation. Okay. I, I think after, that's, that's stage one, okay? And then, I mean, are you assuming, Leslie, that most partners are, are doing well as, most couples are doing well as partners and are lacking in friendships and, and lovers? Is that... Is that, is that your thought or question? Yeah, that's that's sort of my thought. And, you know, and and I guess I, I always end up with this question. You know, people were, and, and it drives me crazy when I hear it, or the statement that, you know, marriage takes hard work. And I'm going, I that <laughs> that kind of like, it tells me it's like, if, if you're working really hard, something is missing. Something Something is not 
you know, in the right balance or something. And, you know, and I think maybe it's, it's part of this is that we're not looking at it in, in this whole way that we're kind of looking at parts of it. And, you know, if we've let something slide off the table, it, it, it's going to take some effort to put it back on the table, but, but it shouldn't be hard. And, you know, so I just like, yeah, so, so we've got this area where, I mean, and I, and I do know this, um, you know, when, when children come into the mix, they require a lot of time and attention. They, they come with a lot of needs and they don't add any extra hours to the day. And so, you know, and so I think people can get into habits when, when their kids are little that they don't even realize that they're doing because, you know, again, you're exhausted. You have these little beings that require 24 hour attention. And it's really hard to think about anything past that. And I think that's where a lot of, I mean, I think that's where um, the research has shown that marital satisfaction takes a hit during the childbearing years or the child raising years, because I think the focus ends up on the partners. Yeah, I I 100% agree. And I think that one way to kind of overcome that is, like I said, is kind of taking stock and seeing also what we've noticed sometimes in the clinic is one partner will score. We like to really kind of give numbers to it, right? So we say from one to 10, you can't say five. Where do you think you are on each one of these? And where there's kind of a gap or a discrepancy that's kind of the first place also that we'll we'll look and see, right? Because sometimes if one partner feels like, oh, we're doing great in the partnership, but mm-hmm. another feels like, no, I'm on, you know, like care work <laughs> overload. I'm totally touched out. <laughs> I don't have time to like pee without kids coming into yeah. the bathroom. Like, no, dude, no, that's not the situation. That will spill over. You're not my friend. And don't touch me at the end of the day. You know what right. I mean? So that it's a good starting place to kind of map out where we are at and also keep the conversation going because at the end of the day, our relationships require the effort and intention uh-huh. and they also require negotiation because yep. we're changing and because the needs of our business, our little people, ourselves is evolving and changing. If we don't keep that negotiation constant, we're going to lose each other somewhere along the way. Right. Yeah. That's what I mean. I say, you know, it's like, you know, when, when the couple, when, when the kids leave the house and you're sitting across the kitchen table and you're going, who are you and why are you in my house? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. State any kind of connected over the course of time. And, and I know a lot of yes. people do that. They say, well, you know, when we, you know, it, it, yeah, when the when, kids, when grow, the kids get go, older, no, no, you're going to miss it. You're going to yeah. miss the boat. Yeah. Yeah. I also want to say one last thing about friendship versus lovers. I mean, so there's intellectual stimulation or let's call it intellectual intercourse and there's sexual intercourse. And as we're aging and we're getting older and our bodies are changing, right? Let's get, when we're going to be 102 years old, hopefully we'll be really good friends, even if you won't be that passionate of lovers, because that wanes with the body. And I think, for 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 us, we try to emphasize and remind the friendship or what we call play. Leslie, our last conversation as well, right? Play, uh-huh. right? That's where it lives in friendship. And I think for couples to really, really just stock up on friendship and invest there, it's a long term investment in your friendship that is going to not only leverage the other two relationships, but it's also going to keep you curious. 
Because curiosity is one of the first things that goes in long-term relationships. Right. Yeah, it's like this idea that I think I know everything about you. My husband exactly. and I was 40 years, and there are times it's like, who are you? It's like, where did, I mean, it, you would think that after 40 years, we would have talked about everything under the sun. And it's like, no. And suddenly it's like, oh, okay. But it is that, it is that interaction, that pushback, that challenge, not, not in an obnoxious, hurtful kind of way, but it's like, oh, really, where did you learn that? Or tell me more about that. I mean, I remember, mm-hmm. um, was it the, um, what was the TV show about, about, you know, about the therapist and, and the HB show, HBO show. And my, my husband and I were watching it and it happened to be the, the couples thing. And he just looks at me. I said, yeah, that's what I do all day. <laughs> he just <laughs> went, oh my God. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. So, so it's been really interesting. So tell people where they can learn more about this, you know, these, um, this breakdown or this, or this, I don't want to call it a breakdown, this, this segmenting of relationships, more about what you guys do, um, how they can learn more about you. So we have, first of all, they can come to our website. It's at, it's called potentialstate.com. One word. We also have a podcast and a YouTube channel in the same name, the potential state. And we have over 125 episodes um, and they were kind of detailing our whole approach because the, the braid of relationships is one aspect of the whole, the, our whole perception of, of our whole take and theory on marriage. I'm working right now in a book as well. So hopefully that's going to come out and I will obviously reach out and let you know, and we'll talk about that. Oh, absolutely. And, um, <laughs> and we also, you know, we, we, we do online zoom therapy. We, we prefer to do it face-to-face, obviously, but we also do offer that, you know, if couples want to come and, and try to do that. And I think what we really believe is the goal of therapy is for therapy to end. That's the goal. We want them in the door and out the door. We want to give them the tools, give them the knowledge, because we really believe we not every couple needs couples therapy, but every couple needs tools and yep. knowledge. And I think, Leslie, I think we share that belief and and. And so we're really about, you know, making all this information accessible and ha- having couples because we believe, like I said, we will all be married more than once. Mm-hmm. The question would be, will it be with the same partner? <laughs> and we help couples and we help the couples remarry, hopefully to each other. And I think, I love that. you know, for, for paraphrasing the three, the braid of relationships. So this braid keeps changing and interlocking and keeps evolving and evolving. And that's what's exciting. And what I wanted to also say is the more couples can bring more, the more they're each braid is richer than the synergistic total is even richer. Mm-hmm. I love that. So you may think that one relationship, marriage, may be challenging enough, but hopefully thinking about the components that support that relationship may actually make it easier. Each is important and each is deserving of time and attention. So how do you think you and your partner do in each area? Is there one that could use a little more focus? And if so, what steps can you take to make it stronger? And hopefully one of the things that you will do to make your marriage stronger is to continue listening to this show. And until (laughs) next week, stay loving.